Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Duncan. And I'm Kate. And we're here to talk about life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Into the Fire. And we're very excited today to have with us one of our best friends and uh, an amazing champion in the kingdom of heaven, an amazing son of his heavenly daddy, and uh, a very successful business leader, member of our church, and uh, he's also a Canadian and American just like us. Right, honey? Yes. Troy, you are so welcome. We are excited for you to share your story with us today and all our listeners. Yes. Welcome, Scooter Buddha. In the house, live <laughs> on a mid 40 degree fall day, winter day in yes. Northern Carolina, the beautiful state. So nice yeah. to see you guys again. Aww. Thanks for having me. You look incredibly healthy after going through having yeah. to endure your quarantine and your uh -huh. battle with COVID. So yeah. your yeah. living <laughs> testimony is that it we is are. easily Yay. defeatable and uh, yeah. it's good to Amen. see that neither of you are worse for the wear having gone through it. So yeah, God, thank you, Troy. God's blessings yeah. on that. Oh, and seriously. Uh, here we sit on a beautiful day. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic to finally be here with the two of you mm. and to be able to show or, uh, share a bit of my story. Yeah, mm -hmm. Troy, you know, before we get into your story, you have just been on the most amazing adventure. I mean, you're literally fresh off an airplane in the last, when? Four days. Four days, yep, back home in North Kakalaki. But prior to that, you have just been all over for the last how many months? Four months? Four or so? months, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Four yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah, just tell our listeners just a little of the adventure. I think we'd all get jealous, to be honest. Where have you been? Yeah, you know, it's funny because jealous is probably a good word. Yet for <laughs> me, it wasn't, uh, it was really a step of obedience. And I tread lightly when I say something like that, because for yeah. a lot of people, it would be top of their bucket list. Mm. But um, for the last couple of years, the Lord has kind of put it on my heart to do something like this. And so yeah. I uh, finally acquiesced and uh, bought a small RV and decided I was going to go on what I was calling a pilgrimage yeah. and laughed. Uh, didn't know if I'd have that thing up on eBay after seven days, <laughs> if I was gonna, how far I was going to make it, but I'd given myself uh, the four months to do it Yes, and uh, got out and, and a month or six weeks into it, the Lord said, no, this isn't a pilgrimage. This mm. is a freedom tour. Wow. Mm. And so he kind of dropped that title into my trip and I began to see how freeing it was that um, yeah. despite having had some major changes in my life, some major metaphor metamorphosis going on spiritually, I still yeah. realized that I was still trying to control a lot of things that the Lord mm. wanted to wow. extricate me from. And so I began <laughs> to under, try, try to find out what he meant by freedom. Yeah. And I began to understand that uh, even my devotion into him and my worship into him wow. had become somewhat legalistic mm. that wow. I felt if... Uh, if I didn't check off all my boxes every day, mm. reading and praying and doing my devotionals and my yeah. quiet time, that I, my day was a little bit uh, discredited because yeah. I didn't do that. And so he began to reveal that. He began mm. to reveal how I was real still tightly uh, linked to my businesses, thinking that the success of the business was coming from me. And uh, he had me in RV parks uh, around the country that had no <laughs> Wi-Fi, uh, wow. no telephone service. <laughs> so I would go three or four days completely secluded and began to realize... This business thing doesn't seem to be uh, depreciating in any way, so I guess maybe God can handle it uh, wow. at least yeah. as well, if not better than I can. And so it <laughs> became 
so freeing in so many ways. Uh, oh. Sometimes not being able to visit a gym for six or seven days and realizing it was okay. Yeah. That uh, my, you know, my body wasn't going to fall apart. And mm. so I just began to feel free in so many areas yeah. that I allowed the methodical schedule of my life to cross over to legalism. And it was mm. really, I think, robbing me of... Uh, freedom in a lot of different areas. Wow. So this has it's been amazing. an incredible journey in an RV. I will, by the time I'm done, which will be in the next couple of weeks, we'll have traversed almost 15,000 miles. Speedy Pete has 15,000 miles. It. He's done wow. a oh great goodness. job. Yeah. Prior to that, between, for those that are listening, if you leave Raleigh and you drive to Charlotte, it's about a two and a half hour mm -hmm. drive. I was so reticent to driving. I often thought of getting a hotel room in Greensboro, which is halfway between here and Charlotte, just so I didn't have to drive two and a half hours. And now I've gone almost 15,000 so, miles. Welcome wow. to road tripping. I mean, that's we've done that <laughs> with our amazing. family. We drive up to Toronto. We'd be in the car for 14 hours and we don't think anything of it. But you have to build your muscles. You do. I really do. But you've got. Big muscles with yeah. that now. I got Boy, some driving yeah. muscles. Yeah, Me sure and do. Speedy Pete and little guy Sad. Max. We, the <laughs> little trailer. guy Max, the trailer. <laughs> we've we've had some fun phone calls with Troy as he tell you know speaks tenderly of Max and Pete. Max you know, and Max and your, Pete. Yeah, your familiar friends on the road. But Troy, you know, for you, it was a freedom tour of undoing the discipline. You are a very disciplined person. Yes, and you as are. a result, God has blessed you in your hard yeah. work. But it's interesting, most of us are learning how to be more disciplined, but the Lord felt it was the other yeah. way for you. Yeah. And mm. um, we're just thrilled that you've just been living with the Spirit, following Jesus, yeah. listening to his voice. And really, I think that exemplifies your life, actually. Yeah, seriously. Listening to Jesus yeah. and following him where he's led you, and which leads us really into you telling us some of your story. Well, that was so well said, Kate. Uh, the Lord, I was sharing with somebody recently and the Lord dropped a line um, into my heart that really uh, epitomizes my life, I think, and, and kind of piggybacks on what you just mm -hmm. said. And that is the Lord said, Troy, your life is to be lived simplistically. And mm -hmm. all I'm asking you to do is listen for me and listen to me. Wow. wow. And I look back on my life and uh, have made many, many mistakes like we all have. But if I had, if I've gotten anything right over the years, it's, I have listened for him and I have mm. listened to him and realized that was going to be the simplest way for me to live out his mm. sovereignty in who he created me to be. And I'll mm. continue, uh, hopefully to be able to listen for him and listen, listen to him yeah. through that ability to be disciplined, which sometimes gets a little bit, um, <laughs> un, over, uh, over exercised, but, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, it's, I think it's easier, as you said, for if you look at the majority of the population, is it's easier to rein in somebody who's a bit overzealous than mm. it is to charge somebody who's underzealous. Yeah, mm. that's very and true. so I'm grateful for the yeah. balance. And uh, as you all know, uh, I'm in a relationship now. I haven't been in one in a while. And I think the balance, the marginalization of time in my life that uh, I was lacking has opened up a door for the Lord to bring somebody into my life that... I'm now better prepared for that. Come on. Uh, mm. So exciting. That's very Troy, exciting. As exciting as that was, and the, you know, dangling that worm there for me, I almost took it to spend the rest of this podcast talking about the romance. <laughs> 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 but I want to take you all the way back to Elliot Lake. 
Ontario, remote northern Ontario, a very small, I guess, ex-mining village. Uranium capital where, of the world is what it was. Is it really? It yes. was. It, it's not now, but it was when I was a kid. And you were born, like, you know, in, into very humble beginnings and actually had a pretty tough up, you know, upbringing. And, uh, and yet you have been able to navigate all of that and come through all of that into making your life a tremendous success in so many amazing ways, including finding Jesus and Jesus finding you in the midst of it. But Troy, I think our listeners would just love to hear your, your story. Well, thank you, uh, Duncan, for that introduction. And um, I, I think in the, in the battles and in, in the challenges is where we do get refined. And I've had yeah. a lot of them and I've had a lot of, you know, try to use the word success very uh, cautiously because success in the eyes of the world, as we know, isn't often True. translated yeah. into success in the eyes of the Lord. And I had, uh, for a, a large part of my life, the success that the world would define mm. and then found the yeah. futility in that. And that's actually what, what finally led to me to being successful in my walk with the Lord, finally, mm. and, Come on. and partnering in that sovereign plan, which maximally uh, has increased the efficiency of him using my life yeah. in this short time on earth. And I just really continue to pray that I will walk out that sovereignty and not be distracted by the things of the mm. world. But well, yeah, sure it, uh, it comes back to an indelible meeting that I had with my family, mm. Mm. a truncated family version at the age of six years old when my father mm. called my seven-year-old brother and myself at the age of six, uh, summoned us to the kitchen table and said, boys, we, we got to have a chat. Sat the two of us down and he said, mom's gone again. Mm. And this time she's not coming back. Uh, she's moved to Toronto um, and she had done that in the past, of, had left the family and on infidelity wow. tours and came back and my dad would accept her back. And this time he said, the door's closed. Uh, Mom has moved to Toronto, which was a six and a half hour mm. drive from our northern remote mining community. Mm. And as a six-year-old boy who was incredibly close to my mom, looked like her, sounded like her, same personality, mm. six and a half hours mm. might, made it, might as well have been Mars uh, yeah. for me. <sighs> in knowing that she was gone and that door mm -hmm. was closed. And my dad was a tough miner. And he said, Troy, you're six, Todd, you're seven, pull up your bootstraps. Uh, or we're going to do this thing. We're going to survive, but we're going to do it completely mm -hmm. different because I work night shift and I work 12 hour shifts sometimes. And y'all need to start chipping mm. in. Um, so um, I, I kind of went into an emotional coma for a while oh, after I, I heard the news. And, wow. uh, eventually emerged and realized you know, I thought at a young age that I was different and that mm. there was a different plan for my life. And I, I don't want to disparage those who go into the mines, but there is a, a pattern of children of miners follow their parents into yep. the mines. Yep. And uh, my brother did, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of work. It's hard work, but yep. it's good pay, good compensation. And I just, I just thought, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like that's the path for mm -hmm. me, even as a young kid. So I was diminutive in size and I decided, all right, one way I can get out of my community without being ostracized is to get involved with our national sport of ice hockey. Mm. And as a young diminutive kid, I thought this is the way to do it. And mm. I, I uh, recruited my next door neighbor, a female who was about four years older than me. Her name was Alice. And I borrowed a pair of skates from a neighbor mm. and I asked her if she could bring me to public skating. The ice arena was a five minute walk from my home. 
And I went out on the ice the very first mm. time ever in my life, a late <sighs> bloomer in Canada at the age of six, six yeah. and a half at that, yeah. by that yeah. time. And I started to trepidatiously circumnavigate the ice rink by holding onto the boards. Yeah, I remember <laughs> those days. Yeah, I was so Learning to skate. fearful. And I, but I could see in the middle of the ice, everybody's zooming around yeah. and it so excited me. I thought after five or six ovals of clinging to the boards, I thought, all right, now's my time to break free. So by myself, I sauntered out to the middle of the ice and felt like I was doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Bang! I got rocked by a teenage kid that Aww. was engaged in a game of on-ice tag, and it sent me, it catapulted me Ooh. airborne. I came down on my head and my shoulder, knocked me out cold, split my head open, <gasps> broke my collarbone, oh. and I laid in the middle of the ice in oh. a pool of blood, Yeah, and they scraped me up and brought me to the hospital and stitched up my forehead, put my arm in a sling, <laughs> Oh my! and gosh. undaunted, five days later, I was back on the ice. Oh, wow. I was that determined at that age that I was going to find a way to mm. use that ticket to, mm. uh, at that point, uh, very few, if anybody on my mother's side or my father's side had ever finished high school. So mm. education was not something that was looked upon favorably in our family, mm. and I thought, Boy, if I could just get a scholarship, I can get myself onto a different path. Wow. And I would That is here. amazing. So out of that, uh, you know, horrible, horrific accident, <laughs> yeah. a deep determination mm -hmm. was discovered. Mm -hmm. And you've had that deep determination your entire life. Yeah. And the Lord has used it so powerfully. Mm. You are one of the most tenacious human beings I've <laughs> ever met in my life. <laughs> And I say that. In well, great, that means a lot coming from you. admiration, <laughs> I might add. And um, Troy, you know, let's fast forward because you became very successful as an ice hockey player. I mean, to say your ingracious start on the ice turned you <laughs> into a superstar, uh, it's, it's quite amazing. A lot of kids would have just been like, I'm never going on that ice again. That's but right. You turned that moment and into the the fulfillment of your dreams and you became a superstar on the on your skates in the hockey arena and uh take it up from there did you go to college with that as as a uh so i was very very fortunate i was able uh at the age of nine i struggled up until the age of nine and i got a new pair of skates uh i asked i begged my father uh, to provide these, uh, if I could get one Christmas present yeah. at the age of nine, I wanted these new Lang skates because yeah. uh, my ankles were really weak because I was small and he, he graciously provided them and it changed everything. And uh, from that time on, I was always on the travel teams. And my very last year of high school, uh, we don't play high school hockey in Canada. We play in junior teams. And um, yep. so depending on how you look at it and how the tournament was uh, put together back then, in my senior year of high school, we finished as either the number two or the number three team, junior team in the entire country of what? Canada. What? Which is quite an accomplishment oh, with yeah. a hockey crazy oh, country like Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end of that season, despite us having the success that we had, <clears throat> there was only one scholarship awarded out of all the players on that team. You're kidding. And I was the one that was <gasps> awarded that scholarship. Wow. Uh, out of that entire oh. team. So God mm -hmm. had a plan. So mm -hmm. I had just turned 18 years old, but backing it up a little bit, something even more important when I was, as you mentioned earlier, it was really hockey that ushered me into the gospel. 
At the age of 15 years old, I went and played in a big, big hockey tournament in Quebec, a city called Amos, Quebec, a midget mm -hmm. hockey tournament. And uh, they would uh, farm you out to different families that would mm -hmm. allow you to stay with them during the tournament. The year before I got there, this family had called in late and they said, you know, we would love to have a couple of the players come and stay mm -hmm. at our house. And the organizer said, well, unfortunately, you're a little bit late. We're thankful that all of the players have homes, but we have a photographer that we've brought in that needs a place to stay. Would you host the photographer? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, well, we'll do that. So they host the photographer for three or four days and they had a beautiful family bird, a parakeet or a parrot or something like that. And they said goodbye. They let the guy go. They went back in the house to resume their day and they couldn't find the bird. What? And they looked and they looked and they looked. And one of the children, I think, opened up the garbage can and, and the bird was in the garbage can with a broken neck. That photographer murdered their family oh. bird and threw him in the garbage can. Oh, you are kidding. <laughs> and so the next year, the tournament organizers call this family up and they're like, uh, you know, we do have some kids this year. Are you open to hosting? And they're like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> we I don't, we've I got we're a cat pass. and we don't want to lose <laughs> We had a bad experience yeah. last year. <laughs> so we're going to just pass on that. But thank you very much. Wow. The mother of that family went to bed that night and the Lord spoke to her. And he said, I think it would be good for you to take some young children, I have a plan for these children. Oh. So she called the tournament organizers mm. back the other day, the next day and said, you know, if you don't mind, we'd like to take a couple of kids. And it was me and another kid mm. uh, named Michael that were brought to their home. We got sure. there and the first night we had a wonderful dinner and the husband starts doing the dishes and the wife says, y'all mind going out into the other room? I want to have a little chat with you. And so we're like, yeah, we're captive audience here at your mm -hmm. home. So we went out and sat in their dining room or their living room area and she started telling us about Jesus. I'd never oh. heard of Jesus in my life at the age of 15 years old. Wow. And we both looked, Mike and I looked at each other at first and we're like, well, hopefully we'll get dessert. This thing will take about six or seven minutes. We'll jump into a pound cake of some sort and we'll call it a day. She went on for two hours. Oh. And Michael and I both sat on the edge of that seat and oh. listened and listened and listened oh. to her share the gospel of Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. Went to bed. She didn't really say much that weekend anymore a loving, loving Christian family. Um, I went home, thought about it, and it was back before you could communicate via email or anything, and we had no communication. I went back to that same tournament the next year at 16 years old, and I remember thinking, gosh, it would be wonderful if I got to stay at that mm. house again. Oh. I get picked up and I go back to that house. Mm. You're kidding. We finish dinner and I'm like, I hope she takes us into the family room and yes. tells us more about Jesus. And I was with a different teammate that time, Back out on the sofa and another two hours of the gospel. Oh, wow. She did, Troy. Wow, what a faithful um, woman. Wow. So that Seriously. was my introduction to the Lord. So wow. then I go back to Elliot Lake, Ontario, and uh, this uh, former heavily drug-addicted young gal had a radical salvation transformation with the Lord and was like the, the, the crazy Christian woman in the town. And she ended up getting a hold of me. And at the age of 17, I actually became a believer. I was wow. born again in Elliott Lake, Ontario oh, at the age were. of 17. Wow. I like to clearly delineate, though, the difference between a believer and, as you guys have shared mm -hmm. from the pulpit, a Christian. I was yes. not a Christian. I became a believer, but I did not become an imitator of Jesus Christ. Mm. Right. As a matter of fact, my scholarship in playing hockey in a college, a big hockey school in America was my God. Yeah. followed by about three or four other ancillary things. And then God was about eighth or ninth on the depth chart. Mm. Mm. So I was never a Christian, but I was a believer. I was born again. And uh, 
That's how I ended up leaving Canada at the age of 18 to go play Division I oh, collegiate wow. ice hockey in the wow. States. Mm. So, you know, ranking in order of gods, we're talking hockey at the top, Porsche 911 second. <laughs> <laughs> he was a student still at the uh, Back then, back then, uh, I had a, a car called a Pacer. Oh, you're too young. Oh, yeah. I remember you, the you Pacer. You remember the Pacer? Yes, All glass, kind yes. of a fishbowl? Yeah. Yeah, I was rolling in a Pacer, so... Uh, not quite the uh, wow. the girl magnet that a Porsche would have been back then, yeah. but uh, um, a yes. magnet nevertheless. A magnet. Uh, well, the mm. hockey was a magnet, being a, yeah. a Division One player on your mm. campus, and uh, so you know, I never ever stopped believing. I never stopped being grateful for the experience I had at that home in Amos, That's Quebec. Amazing. But I wasn't ready to surrender what I thought the world had over mm. God, right. and. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, slowly, he would um, erode all of those other little gods that were yeah. I had prioritized. And yeah. by the time I was 25 years old, is and uh, living in Southern California through hockey, as you mentioned, mm. uh, still playing hockey there, uh, is when I actually became a Christian. San Diego, San Diego, California, Calvary Chapel wow. churches. So amazing! Tell us about that. I went out for a group dinner. I had been, you know, I was living in beautiful La Jolla, California, which is a nice area, playing hockey, living what I thought was a dream, but still I had this emptiness in my heart, this longing, this searching, this unfulfillment. Mm. And that had been going on for about two years. And I went out to dinner one night with a group of 10 or 12 of us. And seated to my right was a young spitfire from Nashville, Tennessee. And her name was Ann, or she said, I am. Ian. <laughs> and uh, I uh, talked to her the whole night. It was really fun. At the end of the dinner, I said, Ann, I, I really enjoyed your company. Can we get together sometime, just you and I, and continue our conversation? And she said, she, this is what she said to me. She said, well, I'm a born again Christian and I'm not comfortable with that. But won't you come to my church one time and we can talk there? Wow. And I quickly went through the list of the top 100 things I was hoping she was saying. I'm like, that was not in my top 100. So I thought, I said to her, I said, yeah, I- wasn't I, even in my top 200. Yeah, no, all my other gods were still in the way. And I, I thought, I'm not going to go to a church to meet this girl. Ugh. So I, uh, I politely declined and she said, well, uh, for all you Tennesseeites out there, forgive me for butchering your, your accent, but she said- let me give you my number. If you change your mind, give me a call. So she writes it on a napkin. I take her phone number. I put it on my counter. I advise my cleaners, do not throw this out. And I let it sit on my counter for four months. Four, four months. months. And I kept looking at it. And I finally thought, I got to go check this church out. I never saw Ann before, uh, after that dinner until I called her. And I oh. called her. I said, Ann, it, it's, she said, I know. She said, I didn't think, I knew you were going to call me. I didn't think it'd take you this long, but I knew you'd call me. She said, you ready to go to church? I said, yeah, I am, as a matter of fact. She said, well, we have a Friday night college Bible study, and then they play volleyball after. Why don't you join us for that? I said, okay. So I went, uh, got there a little bit late. They were doing praise and worship, which I was completely unfamiliar with. I sat in the back, and then they said, tonight we're going to hear the testimony of one of our college group uh, Bible students, uh, her name is Ann mm. and little five foot Tennessee Ann got up and testified mm. how the Lord rescued her from drugs, alcohol, and making, uh, pornographic movies. Wow. In what Tennessee. A and setup. had incredible salvation transformation. The mm. Lord took her out of Tennessee, brought her to San Diego state university, mm. and she was rebuilding her life with God. Wow. 
I went, I was floored by the testimony. I loved playing volleyball. I looked into the eyes of those believers and I said, yep, you've got exactly what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I went there for six months, finally uh, decided it was time for God to be the number one priority in my life. Shortly after that, I got a tap on the shoulder from this young man and said, hey, you're a hockey player, aren't you? And Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. He said, you know, there's a ministry out of Minnesota that takes uh, professional semi-pro hockey players Mm -hmm. into any communist country that plays pro hockey, smuggles Bibles in. It's an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. Here's the number. Why don't you give him a call and see if there's a tour coming up? I waited wow. for my season to end. I joined mm-hmm. a three-week mission trip that took us to Russia and at the time it was called Czechoslovakia and mm-hmm. Poland, I think. Mm-hmm. And we played uh, against their pro teams, shared the gospel, wow. and it changed my life forever. Wow. 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 All because Ian said, I'm a born-again Christian <laughs> and I am not comfortable meeting you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Kate, what are the chances and that, that, that is, of all the yeah. nights? Yeah, she was speaking she and sharing, was her sharing her testimony. And there was 150 to 200 college students at the Bible study. Yeah. And it the was Lord, her night. And the, yeah. and the Lord put it on your heart to call her that yeah. week. Exactly. Yes. That week. Lord, you're just... And then through you're that... You're just extraordinary. Your heart turned fully to Jesus. Yeah. Giving your life fully to him. And through that, then being able to use the greatest thing that he'd given you, yep. which was your skill for hockey, yep. to be able to go to these other nations. Mm. Exactly. He Amazing. married my new love of him yes. with an old love of sport yes. and allowed me to go and learn the importance of show. We, I remember, uh, I remember an incredible story uh, of being in front of, and I think it's in St. Petersburg, they have a museum of atheism. And I was so new as a Christian, I didn't know how to share the gospel. I was excited, but my job was to stand in front of the Museum of Atheism while people were sharing stories and handing out Bibles. And that's all I did is hand out Bibles to people. And I looked across a parking lot a hundred yards away and I saw, I hope it's not derogatory, but a babushka as a Mm -hmm. Russian grandma, big lady coming towards me and staring me down. And I thought, okay, this is, might be the end of this whole deal. I'm going to hold out a Bible. This is supposed to have some power, so maybe this will stave her off. And she grabbed the Bible, and she clutched it and started oh, to cry. Oh! And I grabbed a translator, and I said, hey, can you ask her what's going on? For 32 years, she mm. had the book of John. That mm. was it, and prayed that she could see the rest of the story. Ooh. And God took me from La Jolla, California, stood me in front of the Museum of Atheism, and my job was to give... Uh, this lady, the answer to a 32-year-long prayer. Wow. Oh. Wow. You just, you just realize that God mm. is so in the details, yeah. Troy. You know, when God put in your heart that there was another path for you, it was like a longing prayer to God himself. Yeah. And then fast forward to this grandmother praying and asking for God to give yeah. her the longing of her heart, which was to read the scriptures. God is so into the details of our life. Yeah. Mm. It's in- incredible. It's phenomenal. Mm. And I knew from visiting people's homes, Catholics' homes and stuff in America and Canada, and I saw a surplus of Bibles collecting dust, mm. dust and this lady for 30 years yeah. prayed for the rest of the story. So mm. something that small changed me. I went back to lovely La Jolla, California, mm. and I just couldn't do it you anymore. You were not the same again. I, no, it was not the same. Mm. I played yeah. one more season on that tour. I was offered a pro contract to go to Europe uh, to play pro hockey in Western Europe and evangelize through sports ministry to the Westerners. Mm. But we would continue to take our teams 
uh, over to the communist countries three or four times during the season and mm. uh, smuggle in the Bibles and share the gospel. Part of our contract was at the end of a game, uh, the pro team that we played against had to meet us for a banquet, a dinner celebration. Then we were able to give them a, a Bible in their language and share our testimony. So wow. it was a phenomenal. You know, as Kate was saying, it was a, a combination of uh, a marriage of love of the Lord, love of hockey, and a beginning of a love to share the gospel through an evangelical platform of, of which at that time was sport. And then it, it morphed into two other very influential mountains uh, of being able to share the gospel through um, different sources as well. But the beginning for me was the mountain of sport. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, Troy. And, uh, you know, when you came back from Europe, you finished your pro hockey your last season. Uh, semi-pro. I played semi-pro se semi in America. Yeah. Semi-pro. Last season over. What was your next step? Well, I played that last season with the intentions of going over to Europe to play one. <laughs> I, this is kind of funny. Um, I was a deal maker even way back then, and I made a deal <laughs> with the Lord. I said, all right, God, this has been a pretty neat ride that you've given me. And I, I now have a one-year contract to go play professionally in Europe. Mm. And so I had already had the agenda and I said, Lord, you've changed my life. This has been pretty neat. So I'm going to give you a year back. I'm going to go over there and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go play hockey. And that first year was in Austria. And uh, then I'd already decided I was going to leave go back to Canada and go to law school at York mm. University in Toronto. Oh, yeah. I had already applied and taken the LSAT, which almost killed me. Um, <laughs> and um, I was going to go to law school and become mm. a player's agent. So I'd made a deal with the Lord. I was going to give him one year and I already had my agenda. And that one year in Europe was such an incredible experience mm. to share the gospel, mm. to play hockey mm. there, to, you guys are from Europe, you know, to find oh, yeah. the, a proper work-life balance. And to, I just loved Europe. So I put the... Law school deferment back on the back burner mm. again, played one more season, went from Austria to Germany, even loved it in Germany more. I ended up staying and playing six seasons in Germany, never moved back to Canada, wow. never went to law school, yeah. did all that study for the LSAT, the law school admissions test for nothing. Mm. Um, it took that grueling six hour exam. It was <laughs> atrocious, but God had a different plan. And my one year agenda turned into his six year fulfillment of, of uh, allowing the woundedness that you spoke of earlier uh, yeah. coming from a broken home. I, I didn't mention that both of my parents were alcoholics, which mm. was not uncommon in mining communities. No. Uh, when my mother left, uh, my father, who was a wonderful man, but heavily addicted and his mm. self-medication was to continue to drink more and more. My brother ended up leaving. He left and moved. My mother moved to Calgary, Alberta, and he moved, left us mm. and moved with her. So it was just me and my dad. And I was a miniature version of my mom, which spurred yeah. a whole lot of anger in my dad. When he looked at me, he saw mm. her and he kept oh. telling me that I was just like my mom. And mm. he was a broken, angry man that fueled mm. uh, an increase of that anger with the depressant uh, commodity of alcohol. Mm. And so it was a, mm -hmm. it was a pretty uh, broken, you know, I came out of that and, and had no idea how to love or be loved. I was a wounded dog and uh, mm. you know, you, you come you were a product of our environment. I had no yeah. equity, no, no, uh, tutelage of what it meant to be a loving, kind hearted yeah. person. I just had wall after wall after wall of which you guys have been a big part of mm. allowing me to tear those walls down. So oh, you, yeah, it's just been an amazing journey watching the Holy spirit and you partnering yeah. together. Yeah. You've become an amazing, amazing <laughs> lover of yeah. walking in your heavenly daddy's love 
loving yourself really well now and loving other people really, really well. And finally allowing other people to love me, not thinking that they all have an agenda and all have an end goal and an end game. And uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. You know, just your story with with your parents, Mm. I I know there was a little bit of closure with that and the Lord's taken you through some restoration and sure you've had to forgive your parents in many, many occasions, many ways. But... Can you share a little bit mm, yeah. about that end story uh, with some of, you know, your family recently? Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of anger because we had a pretty good little family while my mom was there. She was very mm. extroverted, very gregarious, mm. loved to laugh and loved every person. She was just a lot mm. of fun. And when she left, the fun left too, because my yeah. dad was a pretty introverted, shy man. Uh, so I was bitter that my mom left and she ended up with a guy in Calgary that had two kids. So she basically traded us in for Mm. another family with two kids and never came and rescued us. So I was pretty Mm. bitter. Uh, As I got older, um, I just didn't even visit her anymore. I was so engulfed in my own hockey career that I I wouldn't even see my mom for Mm. two, three years at a time. And then um, when I finally became a Christian and began to understand love and forgiveness, I finally met with her and I I wanted to hear her side of the story Mm. and found out that she got pregnant. She was barely 18 years old when she got pregnant with my brother and back then you got married, that was the mm. gig. Uh, so she got married, had my brother at 19, got pregnant mm. again, had me at 20. So she was a, a young vivacious woman who all of a sudden had two snot nosed kids at home. It was not part of her plan and her agenda. Mm. Uh, so uh, when she was 26, 27 years old, she decided she needed a change. And so when I began to hear her story and hear mm. how my dad treated her and controlled her and he was eight or nine years older and, when I started to hear that and began to hear her story, I, the Lord gave me sympathy and compassion mm. for my mom. We got really, really close again. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. yeah, I mean, the, the story goes that um, uh, when she turned about 62, she started to deal with cancer mm. uh, that started with skin cancer first. And then it um, um, became four different primary forms of cancer, wow. which were very oh. painful. Mm. Uh, but I was, uh, by then I'd fully forgiven my mom, had a really mm. good relationship. And by the grace of God in Edmonton, Alberta, six weeks prior, this is a full circle story, really? six, week, six weeks prior to her passing in her RV, she didn't pass in her RV, but in her RV when I was yeah. in Edmonton, her and I in a private conversation, the Lord uh, gave me the great honor of leading my mother oh. Excuse me, leading my mother to the Lord, and she wow. passed away six weeks later. Oh, oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. I remember when that happened, Troy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it powerful. was so powerful. What a joy. What mm. a privilege. Yeah. So I know where my mom is, yeah. and I know she's, uh, you know, she's so much, she's a fun-loving gal. Uh, she's mm-hmm. having fun in heaven. But then I wondered about my dad because mm. I tried to share the gospel with my dad and he was so hardened towards it. And mm. But then I found out from the only aunt and uncle that I know that had any kind of form of religion in their lives. I talked to my aunt and uncle about this one time, four or five years ago. They live in Ottawa, mm. Ontario. And it turns out that aunt and uncle, when they were 17 and they were dating, and my father, who was 17 attended a Billy Graham crusade in Ottawa and wow. all three of them went forward to receive the Lord. Oh, wow. 
So I think my dad snuck in the back door, uh, (laughs) and it's a sad ending for my father. He took early retirement at 56, and by Mm -hmm. the time he was 58 years old, had drank himself to death, and uh, due to cirrhosis of the liver, basically his internal organs combusted, and Mm -hmm. that's how he died. But yeah, I I believe that uh, that going forward... out of Billy Graham crusade, God bless Billy yeah. Graham. That um, yep. you know, I believe eternal life is eternal life, yeah. and it Absolutely. starts when we get it, and it doesn't end; it's eternity. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you know my mother <laughs> got s- good. I like that. my mother got saved? Billy Graham in London, in fifty-three. Yeah, yeah. Wow. there's a lot of champions. John Arnott himself, yeah. Billy Graham yeah. got no saved way. through Billy Graham wow. crusade. Yeah, and right. he's from North Carolina, and here we sit in his I home know. state. I went forward too when I was seventeen. Had a oh, Billy Graham crusade? Yeah. No. <laughs> I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had an yeah. encounter with the Lord when I was 14, invited him in, into my heart. I had another encounter with him when I was 17. But it wasn't until I was 20, like you, Troy, it wasn't until I was 20 that I truly surrendered yeah. to his Lordship. Mm. Yeah. That I truly, truly, you know, was born of the Spirit. I'm sure I was born of the Spirit when I was 14, but it the 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 real yeah. complete transactional takeover, so to mm. speak, yeah. where you know I truly knew and understood the fullness of the gospel, and that it was no longer I who lived, but Christ who yeah. lived in me. Really, was when I was 20. Well, and it's mm. how the word is defined. Christians was used uh, first in the Book of Acts on the road to Antioch that they were being yeah. mockingly accused as Christians because they were tiny imitators of Jesus Christ themselves, and they were yeah. mocked by that. But I, you know, I want to say something encouraging to your audience as you've just shared your story is that I know your life. I've seen the evidence of your life. I've seen the evidence of my life. And for me, mm. it was between seventeen and twenty-five, eight years. Mm that for many years I thought Mm. were wasted years. But I look back now and I look back on the story you just shared and God's a redeemer of time. And even though he wasn't preeminent on the throne of our lives, he still connected the dots and he still, I know your story, Duncan, he still Mm. used those years of your life to develop your heart, develop your testimony, develop so many things in those years that he redeems those times. So between your three or Mm. four years, my eight years of drifting, uh, even though we were born again, that time's fully redeemed, and those circumstances mm. are all mm-hmm. part of our testimonies that are interwoven and in so how we can good. use that time to relate to others now. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I so love good. that, Troy. Really. Lord, nothing's wasted with you. No. You are phenomenal. And, you know, um, Troy, you've gone on to go through many adventures since you left the hockey world. You've ended up becoming a very successful entrepreneur in business. You've started and sold many companies and so on and now you you know in that sense you've had a wonderful successful career in sports first and then in business uh but you've also you know had some amazing adventures as you've learned to listen to the voice of the lord and the lord has asked you to give up what you'd become accomplished in over Mm. and over again uh including going into some very different industries entirely. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil it um, because, you know, for this podcast, we're running out of time and we're going to have to have you back because you, the way the Lord has been able to use you because of your ability to hear his voice mm. and your humble heart to just say yes to him yeah. over and over again has resulted in you going on some amazing adventures yeah. uh, with the Lord. 
you. And I think Kate will leave that for the next podcast, yeah. right? But I want to take up what you were saying, Dunk, mm, about, yeah. you know, you very much have learned to hear God's voice for yourself. Yeah. But over the last few years, it's been our joy to see how the Holy Spirit has used you, flowed through you for other people, that yeah. you have been able to begin to hear his voice and learn to prophesy, yeah. bring words of knowledge to other people. And, you know, Troy, sometimes the juggle between, you know, walking in business and, you know, being good at what you do in that and then being a lifelong learner, because that's what I've loved about you. Yeah. A lifelong learner in the things of the spirit as well. And it's been a joy watching you prophesy over others. But tell us about your journey in, you know, becoming fluent in some of the spiritual gifts. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're both very gracious, and I appreciate your encouraging words. And I have been mentored by the two of you over the last six years in, in this house. And um, my story is a little bit different in how I hit my rock bottom. Uh, we hear a commonality in stories shared that people hit rock bottom through uh, addictions or through poverty or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but mine was used in a different way, that it was actually through Again, as I was alluding to earlier, the misrepresentation mm. of how the world defines success, mm. my rock bottom came through these successes in different spheres that I began to realize how futile and empty they were mm. if it was just me using a gift of tenacity to climb that mountain and get mm. up on top of that mountain for the wrong reasons. Mm. And I have learned so many valuable lessons through following the world's definition of success and doing yeah. it. Um, apart from the sovereign plan God has for me. So yeah, when we come back, we'll talk about an area where God dropped me into that I knew nobody, I knew no, nothing, a very influential world, uh, uh, area in our world that uh, he taught me to hang on to his coattails and we were in for an exciting ride, but I had to learn to be utterly and completely dependent upon him because I knew nothing about that mm -hmm. sphere. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that another time. But I think in my... Um, disappointment that I was able to experience in the things of the world had led me to be hungry mm. to the things not of this world. Wow. And um, I shared with y'all recently that uh, I began to see, I'm a sports guy, so the Lord often speaks to me in yeah. sports analogies. And uh, when I became a Christian through Calvary Chapel Churches in San Diego, uh, fantastic Bible preaching church, mm. but not a spirit-filled church. Mm -hmm. uh, not against it, but it certainly isn't publicized yeah. in any way. And so when I was born again, I felt like a golfer going out onto the golf course with the minimum required number of clubs to play a game oh, of golf. Wow. And that is a putter for the greens, a driver, mm -hmm. and a, some kind of a wedge to be used on the fairways. And I spent many, many years, even all those years playing hockey in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, I had three clubs in my bag. And I began to understand I had a hunger to see people mm -hmm. come to the Lord but I was in a theological debate, it seemed like, because mm -hmm. I didn't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I was in mm. working my three golf clubs, mm. and it was always a debate of, yeah. is he real, is he not real? And uh, being invited to your church in the old building on Leesville Road six years ago was my introduction to what uh, an easier trip it is to share the gospel when you can get a <laughs> word of knowledge, when you can mm. pray for healing, when you can uh, share the gifts of the Spirit. And yeah. so... I began to understand the power of getting a word of knowledge and a pow yeah. the power of tapping into the supernatural, the things yeah. that are not natural yeah. of this world to meet somebody and begin, as we say, to read their mail uh, by allowing the Lord to intervene in a supernatural yeah. way in the 
the potential transformation of a heart to know that there is no way Kate Smith could ever know that about me. Mm. Somehow she knows this about me and must, there must be something true to this mm. God. And so uh, that one, I, I jumped, I loved the prophetic. And so I jumped into that and uh, came here to your church um, when, um, oh, what's the gentleman's name that got married? Austin. Cal. No, Cal. Cal. When Cal was running the prophetic ministry, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, yeah. I went there a couple of times as a recipient and loved it. And so I, I thought maybe I could eventually join the team one day. Yeah. And Cal let me in and I went through the training and became part of the prophetic ministry five years ago, yeah. four and a half years ago. And so uh, like anything else in my life, I noticed that that was a skill that had to be honed. It was a skill that I could dive into yeah. and learn and come to the church and be a part of that team uh, sheepishly at first, but then developing my con. <laughs> I remember when I when I went with the two of you, we all went to Mozambique, uh, and I yes. uh, Stacy Long was the head of my little cohort, mm-hmm. yep. and Stacy took me aside and began to teach me in Mozambique how to hear the voice of the Lord and how to Wonderful. use it and how to prophesy and how to speak confidently. Yeah. And so that's been an incredibly powerful tool. Um, Good for you know, I shared the story. Awesome. I shared the story with y'all recently about when I was in Las Vegas when I was new to this thing and I was walking. Uh, with a drink in hand from one resort to another to meet some friends and the Holy Spirit stopped me and had me sit next to mm-hmm. uh, the young African-American prostitute girl that had just gotten beaten wow. up by her pimp. And I uh, was able to pray with her to lead her to the Lord and and help her get back wow. up on her feet literally and figuratively. And that came from walking past her at a pretty rapid pace to get to the other yes. resort to meet my friends and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, we got an assignment here. Let's just oh. slow things down. So oh. I've begun to see life is very quick. And if we're, uh, mm. if we are available to take on his assignments, they're there every day if we're wow. willing to slow down and listen. So. That's amazing. So amazing. And I just love that analogy about the tools, you know, that um, living without the Holy Spirit was just being short of the right tools and, and your discovery into experiencing the supernatural and just listening to the Holy Spirit's leading. And Troy, you know, for many of us, we we live very busy, fraught lives, although we've had a very different season right now. But, you know, sometimes we wonder if we're, we're missing what God has for us. And I know some of our listeners you know, will want to be inspired, will be inspired by what you've said about just realizing that God has got divine appointments for them each day. I wonder if you could just release. Yeah. And he's in all the details. He's in the details. And just to release that assurance over our listeners today. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Lord, we thank you for this time. We were able to spend 40, 45 minutes together of, uh, of a commodity that is irretrievable uh, as time goes by, mm. Lord, and, and as Kate was just alluding to, that um, we can't get time back, and we do tend to uh, not focus on the value of time and to understand how it's correlated to your sovereign plan for each mm. and every life. And so the first thing I would like to pray is a prayer of encouragement and impartation of understanding that God is a redeemer of time. And as Duncan shared, and I know he went on a big tour uh, during those early years of his life and, and experimented in things of the world, but that tour that was, he 
was also able to discover things about himself and that mm-hmm. the Lord redeemed that time and made him the man that he is today and used the seven years in my life of what I thought was thought was drifting as well as a redemption. So I pray that. I pray yeah. encouragement, Lord, for mm-hmm. uh, people that are hearing my voice right now, that they would yeah. be encouraged if it was one year, one month, 10 years, two decades, whatever, that that time is redeemed, that yeah. it is Thank you, time that the Lord Whoa. can use. And as they all look back, they will see strategically how God actually connected the dots and used Mm -hmm. that time uh, for building a testimony, for developing skills that are now used to glorify. So may the listeners be encouraged that that time is not wasted. It will be returned so long as we do surrender fully uh, onto the sovereign plan Mm -hmm. of the Lord. So I pray that first, Lord, and I pray secondly that we would continue to understand how time just goes by so quickly and, and that we would just be about the sovereign plan that you have for us. Duncan yeah. has a skill set that is different from Kate, and Kate has a skill set different from me, but we all have a skill set mm. that is part of a body that is designed corporately Ooh, yes. to yes. accomplish your plans. You Thank said that you. you've given us works in advance, Lord, for us to do, and yeah. that we are one body, and that you have a sovereign plan for each and every one of us. And mm. so I pray yeah. that, Lord. I pray that we would die to the things of the world Know, as I shared earlier as a young baby Christian, that you gave me the blessing of marrying a love for you and a love for Mm -hmm. sport to share the gospel and Mm. develop a love for evangelism. And so I pray that the listeners would relinquish, not be fearful that if they have no desire to go to Africa, the fear that they think, oh my gosh, if I surrender to you, he's going to send me to Africa and I'm going to be stuck there <laughs> like Duncan was when he was a kid. And and although Duncan loves Africa, but I pray that the fear would go. I pray uh, that people yes, would understand Lord. that sovereignty <clears throat> is sovereignty and that your plan mm. for our lives is not only the most efficient util- utilization of the skill set that you've given us, but the most joyful yes, as well. It is right. peaceful, peace-filled and joyful strategic plan. So help us to acquiesce, Lord, to your sovereignty and to understand the only thing that we can bring to heaven is other souls. And the rewards that we see here on earth are so limited compared to the vastness of sharing rewards in heaven for a billion, zillion years as we sit and glorify you. And those rewards are represented by fruit. So Lord, all of the fruit comes down to maximal efficiency that is represented by surrender to your Mm -hmm. sovereignty. And so I pray forgiveness for people to understand all time is redeemed. All experiences are redeemed when we surrender onto your sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Help us to be encouraged to know that your plan is best and your plan is most fruitful and your plan is most joyful. In Mm -hmm. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Wow, that Woo! was praying up a storm stormy. for our listeners. <laughs> call me Stormy. Wow. Scooter Booters. <laughs> yeah, thank Troyster, you so much. <laughs> thank you for sharing part one of part your story. One. We don't yes. know how many more books Phase there one. are, but you know. <laughs> oh, thank I'm you, excited everyone. for part two. Yeah. Thanks for having me today. Yes, it's been a joy. Thank you for yeah. coming, Troy. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>